It's been a incredibly complicated college basketball year so far. John Henson, former UNC tar here, also played in the NBA for quite some time. We were trying to figure this out last segment, John. Like, I, this is it's one of those years where like you're looking at Houston one minute and going, oh yeah, this team could win the t- national title, mm-hmm. and then Purdue's the number one team in the country, and then they lose. And how do you make sense of what's going on right now this season? With I mean, just up and down the board with all of the losses and the unpredictability in college basketball. Um, I like I've been trying to hammer the over and unders. I mean, the Michigan State game that I was actually sweating that out. Um, it was minus two and a half. They won by two, so that hurt a little bit. But that's kind of been the story of the college season, man. Um, you don't know; it's unpredictable. TCU goes into fog out on the field house and whoops Kansas. Um, the lines that come out are confusing. You know, favorites are home favorites, but they're they're losing records. So. I, it's it's been a tough season. Um, one thing I can say is maybe the, the home team, if you have to lean away, probably lean home team, and that's about the only thing that's sh- for sure. This you know these days, John. You know it's crazy. Like growing up, I loved ACC basketball. Now I get a kick out of mm-hmm. watching the SEC every night. Bama's fun. I just don't know if I trust them to make a deep run into the tournament. It just seems like it's like three or die for them. I like Nate Oates. Who do you trust more to make a deeper run in the SEC, Tennessee or Alabama? You know, I'm a Tennessee favorite. I, I love t- I love defense. Tennessee is a they're top five on Kim Palm overall, and they have like the number one adjusted defensive efficiency. So I'm gonna probably go Tennessee, but Alabama is definitely a fun team to watch, and they're right behind Tennessee. But if I had to choose a team, definitely gonna go with uh, the Volunteers. Man, they uh they look really good. You uh, I don't know how much UConn you've seen. But I saw Dan Harley Hurley lose his mind at the Phil Knight Invitational. So it's a day that ends in Y. And it's it <laughs> stuck with me. You know, he almost got ejected in the first mm-hmm. half. Just my overall thought was, I don't know how long 18-year-old kids with NIL money and opportunities to transfer without having to sit out a year are going to deal with that without tuning him out. You're seeing UConn, they started off hot, and now it feels like they've sort of swooned. Now, what do you make of UConn, and, and do you think that, that that theory that I have about that type of coaching style is is valid? Yes. I mean, it's tough. So um, I talked to Scott Drew on a, actually the Field 68 the other day, and he said it's different times now because everybody has cameras. So you can't just kind of do certain things you do back in the day. Um, Danny Hurd is a fiery guy, and, and UConn is – I think he's better with the – target on his back with the chip on his shoulder. I think when UConn became the favorite, I don't know if Danny Hurley is good in that spot. So um, it's a lot of pressure at UConn. They've lost, I think, five out of seven, maybe six out of eight. So they're having a tough time. But in this day and age in college basketball, how uncertain everything is, we could be talking about them as a top 15 team next week if they go on a win streak because there's some good teams in the Big East as well this year. John, uh, who's your favorite player to watch in college basketball, or maybe two or three that you think are going to click at the next level as well? Who do you like watching every night? I like Zach Eady. Uh, he's a fun, fun dude. My favorite, one of my favorite names and players is Boo Booey um, <laughs> from a Northwestern. Um, I like Brandon Miller too. He's going to be playing against some some NBA players next year. Drew Timmy's a good one for me, and then. Uh, I like my guy Armando Baco too, man. Got to throw him on there, man. All-time leading rebounder, uh, Carolina history, man. So got to got to go with him as well. Talking to John Henson, BetMGM tonight. You know, Trista mentioned it briefly, but you know, when we look at 
the way college sports has changed. And I know it kind of started with college football, with NIL deals. There's a lot of money, obviously, going to players there. The transfer portal, now guys are moving around team to team a little bit more. It can certainly happen and has happened in college basketball, too, especially in some of these bigger programs. How much do you think that this will change the game in terms of being able to rebuild a program maybe fat, faster? or I mean, uh, you know, it's, almost it's, like free, it's almost like free agency in the NBA at this point. It, it's literally changing the game as we speak. You got Kansas State, 11 new guys, brand new coach. They're a top five team in the country. Um, you got Dennis Gates in Missouri who came in and, and plugged in his transfer guys, and they're, they're, they're a lot better. So it's changing right now as we speak, and that's why I think there's so much parity. There's, there's so many teams that you're unsure of if they're good or not because now coaches are bringing in guys, and college is a little different than the pros. You move in the dorms, you sleep together, you live together. So you can mesh a little more than having a brand new team in the NBA. So um, – you know, that's just the kind of the, that's the day and age we're in. And you're going to see a lot, lot more kind of fluctuation with the rankings. And even in, you know, March Madness, these teams with 10 new guys are kind of, you know, running through this tournament uh, with a brand new team. Yeah, how difficult can that be? I mean, you're obviously alluding to it a little bit there, but I'm sure that that has something to do with chemistry and the fact that, like, these guys have to get to know each other, and then you're bringing in five or six new guys maybe to the program. I'm sure that that means there's going to be some growing pains. 100%. I think that's, you know, one thing that you kind of leave out when things do go bad, like a Kentucky for, per se, where things aren't going well, you don't have that camaraderie, that meshing that you have with the team that's grew up together or came in together. But um, I was kind of against that portal, but now I kind of like it, man. College is fun. Maybe not from a betting standpoint, but yeah. I was an overall basketball fan. College is a lot more fun now, and it's a lot – you know, when you see a, you know, Alabama – you know, Kansas State game, I mean, who thought that would be a fun game to watch? And that's all due to the Porter and the NIL deals come, you know, kind of coming along. We talked to uh, Jeff Goodman earlier this week about Brawny. My God. And obviously yeah. there's, a, there's a lot of chatter about Brawny this week as he narrows down what schools he wants to go to. Uh, mm. What do you think about him? Do you think, number one, is he a legit D1 starter? I mean, he's obviously a legit D1 prospect since he's narrowed it down to Oregon, USC, and Ohio State. But a lot of people compare him to, you know, Josh Hart, a four-year guy who's going to develop mm -hmm. into a nice NBA player. But then you, you juxtapose that with the fact that he has to go one and done, right, because LeBron wants to play with his son. Right. Um, his growth is going to be interesting because he's gotten a lot better every year. And... You know, he's not as tall as his dad, but he has the IQ. He can shoot the ball really well. He plays well with his teammates. I mean, he's got that cerebral type game that 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 pro teams kind of love. And he may not be a one-and-done guy, but if he can kind of be solid, make threes, and run a team, I think he could be a borderline first-rounder. And he's only 17, maybe 18. If he grows a couple more inches, now we're talking, right? And that, that could happen as well. You So we, we it's... It's in the air in Oregon, Ohio State, I think in USC. I think he's going to probably be a day one starter. That's probably the goal for the, why he chose those three schools. And, and so um, I think he'll be fine. It'll be, it'll be fun to see his growth, you know, so we'll, we'll see. John, I got a conspiracy theory here. Tell me, tell me if I'm crazy. 
But, you know, mm -hmm. LeBron has obviously talked about wanting to play with Bronny. Now, he may play mm -hmm. a couple years in college, not really sure, but LeBron could play till he's 45. He's been asked about it to compare him to Tom right. Brady. My conspiracy theory is that when LeBron is able to hit free agency again with the Lakers, he's going to go mm -hmm. back to Cleveland. Cleveland's going to draft Bronny, and he's going to finish his career in Cleveland with Bronny. What are the chances? Maybe not Cleveland, but what are the chances that you think that that does end up happening where he can play, you know, long enough in the NBA that he's able to play with his son? Well, if you see, LeBron kind of changed his tune of that playing with. He's like, I would love to be on the same court. Now he changed yeah, it a little yeah. bit. But um, I think he will try everything he can to play with his son. Um, and being as who he is, depending on how his career goes the next two or three years, if he's a free agent, I mean, he could use that leverage to say, hey, look, whoever drafts Bronny is where I'm going. That might get him yep. moved up a couple spots because, yeah, the NBA is about winning and, you know, putting a good team out there, but it's also about selling tickets and making money. So, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see how he plays that, but I bet you LeBron already has a plan in place. That's <laughs> the type of guy he is. And so it's, it's going to be interesting to see, but it, it's coming. I think they'll get on the same court together. Hey, John, I got a question for you really quick. On some of these young teams that struggle out the gate, like notoriously, usually, you know, Kentucky's going to be around come March, but they struggle because mm -hmm. there's a lot of one-and-dones, a lot of freshmen. For you, you know, you mm -hmm. really took off your sophomore year. When does it all really start to click? Is it like mid-season freshman year, or do you need that off-season really to put in the work? And then your sophomore year is when it all starts to click. Because some of these young teams, man, like they have the talent, but they're just losing these games mm -hmm. at the end of the games, you know? Yeah, I mean, when I was a freshman, we went to NIT, which is like a no-no in North Carolina. So, yeah. um, you know, it, in the summer was where we started to kind of click and work together and kind of lock in a little bit. Um, you know, at Carolina, we have a lot of pros that come back and play, and so that helped us out a lot. And then once you start winning and, and you buy in and see those wins start to, think, start to be successful, that's when teams kind of get rolling. So um, that's, that's kind of the, the goal. You start – buying into the system and seeing some wins and seeing some wins in the columns and, and having some success, that's when teams usually take off. That's the same thing that happened with us my sophomore year. Yeah, and everybody, obviously, you know, in high school is a superstar. That's why you're at Carolina. But what was your, like, uh, welcome to college basketball moment, whether it was in practice or in a game, where you were like, okay, this is a little bit different. The speed's a little bit different here. Um, It was against Michigan State and Kalen Lucas. I don't know if you guys remember him. Oh, yeah. He came down the lane and um, went up for a layup and – elbow me my tooth went through my lip i was bleeding i had to get stitches on both like two layers and i said okay well i'm here now so that was my coming to college moment <laughs> um you know when i was in the back like all right well that's 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 how it is out here so that that was probably the you know most memorable college moment early on john out of the blue blood teams that are like more or less mm -hmm. struggling unc being one of them obviously kentucky duke they just haven't really been their normal selves like, which team do you think actually pulls themselves up and becomes maybe a legit contender, you know, towards March Madness? Not because I have the jersey in the background, but <laughs> I think Carolina, they're playing really well. They're, they're starting to get some wins. They're starting to look really good. Uh, they're starting to get healthy. I like Kentucky, too. Kentucky's won four in a row. But if I had to choose, I'm going to go Carolina. They're finally looking like themselves a little bit, and they've got a stretch coming up here where they're going to play some really good teams. So uh, we'll get to see if they're really for real this time because early on they definitely were not ready to have that number one ranking, you know, on no. their backs. I know they're your rival, but how weird is it to not see Coach K on the sidelines at Duke anymore? I mean, I like it. I mean, it's great because Coach K is a legendary <laughs> coach. Um, you know, Shire is cool and all, but Coach K has a different type of presence. You know, even when the kid turned around and did the fist pump and punched the kid, Coach K would have got that flagrant. You know, that that's little things like that are different, you know, in my opinion. So, 
Um, it's also a new era in the Duke Carolina basketball with her, with Hubert Davis and Shire. So um, love not seeing Coach K, but, uh, you know, hope he's enjoying retirement. Yeah, Duke, I'm sure, misses him. That's for sure. But it's hard to be the guy right. that replaces the guy. So John Shire, has, you can spend all the time in the world learning from the coach, but once you're actually out there coaching, it's a whole different ballgame. John right, Henson, right. great stuff, man. Great talking. You will definitely have to have you on again. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you, guys, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. man. The tooth going through the lip thing. Oof, that's man, rough. that's oh, brutal. Yeah. So it's just, yeah, it's it really is. I mean, you think Jay Wright's gone, Roy Williams isn't coaching anymore. Yeah. I mean, Coach K's not coaching anymore. It's eventually this happens, but it did feel like there was this influx in college basketball where all of a sudden it was just one after the other after the other of coaches leaving, legendary coaches leaving. Jay Wright. And yeah, as I said, yeah, Jay yeah, Wright. Did I yeah. leave him out? I hope I, I don't didn't know. Leave him out. No, okay. I, I, if, if you could choose one of those guys, though, and let's not say in the year 2022, let's say this is a timeless and ageless just question. Any of those guys that are gone, Coach K, Jay Wright, anybody that you just named, who would you choose to lead your program? So pretty much I'm asking you, I think Coach, it's, Coach I, K or Jay Wright? I think, I think it's, it's Jay K. Wright. I, I think, think I'd it's go Jay Coach Wright. K. I think everybody, I think if you pulled that question, I think it would be like 98% would say Coach K. I think I might go Jay Wright. Me I don't too. know. Yeah. See, they kind of did it the same way because when Coach K, like when Duke really came on the map, it wasn't just one and done. The no, first no, one no. and done squad was really the Elton no. Brand year. Remember? I mean, Leitner was going. Uh, was Lou a pro. Deng. Remember, he was mad that Lou Deng was leaving the, after yeah, one the, year. Yeah, the Lou Deng run. Uh, yeah. Jay Williams was there. Unfortunately, the yeah. Bulls drafted him number one. We all know he gets on a motorcycle, and never plays basketball Man, I ever he was again. Be so good. Me too. Uh, and he actually really... started taking off at the end of the I year. I loved his game. The Same reason here. why I would choose Jay Wright is I just think in today's NBA, you know, and, and you said I know it's not 2022, but mm-hmm. I'm thinking about it from the lens yeah. of current 18-year-olds. And I just don't think, and I've heard stories about what Coach K has done, you know, in terms of punishing players after they have lazy games. You mm-hmm. know, there's Jason Tatum had a famous story about when they got locked out of the locker room yeah. and had to wear, you know, random general light blue, sh- you know, like blue shirts and shorts and no Duke apparel. And I just don't think 18-year-olds are going to vibe with that. Yeah. And, and I don't know if that gruff style is really going to work for you know, it youngsters. It is changing because now these kids are, are stars, younger and younger. Yeah, and they could have like a million followers. They get, get money. You get money in, in high school. The thing for me with Coach K is that he's been able to do it in, across different eras of college True. basketball. Yeah. He's able to win with one and done. He's able to win with you know players that stayed three and four years. So he's always been able to adapt to that. But then again, Jay Wright would get the best out of players that maybe stayed three or four years that weren't as talented as the McDonald's All-Americans that were going to do Kentucky. Listen, in the end, both really, really good coaches.